That's the measure of my worth But I'm not blind To your hurt I'm not blind listening to the Scots Way podcast and that piece of music you've just heard is called Burden of Your Cross and it's a song by Jim Byrne and Stephanie Brown. It's part of a fascinating collaborative project called Ten Writers Telling Lies which is um, a collection of short stories and poems but also a collection of songs and Jim Byrne has collaborated with all of the writers and poets to create these songs. So the one side of the project feeds into the other and vice versa. And in a moment you're going to hear me talking to Jim and Pat Byrne, who are the driving force behind Ten Writers Telling Lies, and they'll explain and much more detail and with much more knowledge than I am at the moment. You'll also hear the voice of Samina Chowdhury, who is one of the writers involved, and she gives her perspective on 
the book and on the songwriting aspect of it. And then after that, you'll hear Samina reading her short story, Taxi. So that's enough for me at the moment, and I'll see you on the other side of this. Hello everyone, and welcome to another Scott Swahey podcast. And this time round, we're going to be talking about a book, also a CD, called Ten Writers Telling Lies. Um, it's a project which has... Uh, it really interested everyone I know that's uh, spoken about it. So we're going to talk to Pat and Jim Byrne, who have put this together. Hello, both of you. Hi there. And also going to talk to Samina Chowdhury, who's one of the writers involved. Hello, Samina. Hi there. Um, so first off, Pat, let's talk to you about the idea behind the, the book. Right, well, it was actually more Jim's idea than mine. But okay. I was very happy to go along with it. And obviously... I was most, mostly interested in the writing aspect of it and um, I had the pleasure of choosing the writers that were going to be involved. Okay. Uh, well, Jim, from your side then, were you <laughs> or the man who, who, uh, right. who came up with this idea? Uh, I think we had, because Pac is invited to all these kind of book events and book launches and all that, we were along one, I can't even remember what it was. I think it, was it was just Stones. Right, okay. And uh, he had a wee musical event after it, so being there, and also I had, I had a set of songs sitting, I was wondering whether I should be putting any more music out, okay. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't absolutely sure of it, what to do, uh, and I just came up with an idea just after that, talking to Pat about maybe we should do something together actually, because I just think the music was in my head, the writing was in my head, the books were in my head, Pat had been to do the creative writing course. And it sounded like a good thing, maybe if we could figure out a way of doing something together. It kind of grew from that seed. Really. Okay, because in the introduction you do say that you were wondering how to get your music kind of into people's hands, you know, as your people perhaps aren't buying CDs. Yeah, that's great. right. Well, that, I suppose it was all that as well, as the environment of music and the fact that, uh, as you say, people don't necessarily buy, buy music these days. It's kind of... Uh, and the kind of notion that, certainly for somebody... Uh, at my level, <laughs> that putting out a CD doesn't necessarily mean anything. You could put out a CD and like one person could hear it. Mm-hmm. I mean, after I went and did, did a lot of gigs, obviously I could sure. sell them, but you know, so it was just I think of some way of getting a bit more value out of uh, recording things. And similarly, I think with um, publishing, impact, uh, uh, it's difficult sometimes to get books out into people's hands, you know, or get them published yeah. in the first place. Uh-huh. Well, no, was that something that you thought about? No, <laughs> I, never, I never thought about that at all. Um, I don't know why, I mean, I suppose I should, I should have. I just thought that it was a good idea. And then quite a few people had said, oh, you know, why don't we try and get a publisher? You know, it, it, would, you know, it would be good. And I kind of, I think I approached one, one publisher and... Um, you know, it, it didn't suit them. But I really um, was very happy for us to do it ourselves mm-hmm. and to yeah. be making all the decisions. And there was also, also what I loved um, was us all working together. You know, people, the, the writers are, are all at different stages, really, mm-hmm. in their sort of creative development and their, I suppose, their, their success. But the we wanted... Um, kind of diversity and also um, people that I knew I would enjoy working with. Mm-hmm. So I suppose I wasn't altogether professional about it. <laughs> yeah. So the actual process itself, was, you knew that was going to be as enjoyable? Yeah, as absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, I mean, I come, I think as I mentioned earlier on, I come from sort of the punk ethos. <laughs> I played in punk bands mm-hmm. in, in the late 70s, early 80s. And there is a kind of do-it-yourself approach there. I wasn't particularly interested in getting it published by a, a publisher because, mm-hmm. you know, in some sense, what's the point? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, you can do it yourself. The process itself is the enjoyable part of it. Yeah. You know, it's like if I play a gig, you know, the the, the gig is the end in itself. It's not a gig to sell music. Yeah. It's a gig to enjoy the gig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to put something on and put some kind of show on. Yeah. For but for a lot of people, music, that's changed. You know, the gig is there to sell the T-shirt or yeah. sell the thing like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, and what strikes me about this project, one, I think it's probably very personal for the yeah. two of you, mm-hmm. 
but also the way that you've brought so many different people in. Uh, there's a real pleasure, I think, in collaborating Absolutely. in this way. Yeah. Um, so, Mina, when you were asked to join, what did you think of the initial project when you heard about it? I thought it was a fantastic project when, you know, Pat mentioned it. And I was like, you know, felt really chuffed that I, you know, I had the honour of, you know, being one of the writers. And I think one of the, the most striking things for me was that bringing songwriting and fiction together yeah. on the same level. And because I, I always think that, you know, there's a certain, you know, a certain crowd of people that would enjoy short story or fiction or novel writing, whereas songwriting is like universal. Mm -hmm. It appeals to a wider range of people. And I thought that's a really good platform, you know, from launching, you know, a, a really, you know, unique project. I think that's right. I mean, I, what interested me about it was this one, I think short stories should be more popular than they are. I never quite understand why they're not. And I think part of that's down to, you know, bigger publishers thinking, well, short stories don't sell. Yeah, yeah. I think they don't allow them out there to really, you know, get a grip. Yeah. I think some of the best books from Scottish writers in the last few years have actually been collections of short mm -hmm. stories. But also this thing with music, I think what you say, Simon, is right. People, it's universal. People that don't read books on the whole still still love music, and what you're doing there is bringing a different audience in to give these writers a new readership. Yeah, that's right. That was one of the things we spoke about earlier on. Actually, was you know the notion that there's an audience for music and there's an audience for reading books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Apparently, you know, <laughs> marketing speak. You know, there's yes. targeted marketing. Exactly. <laughs> and whereas in reality, most of us do all of these things. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we're not a pie chart, we yeah, actually So even if even I was being a kind of cynic and think, well, how can I spread the word about this? Do it this way and you've got two audiences rather than one, if you want to look at it that way. Because you can get the people who would review the book, mm -hmm. hopefully will listen to the music. Yeah. The people that would normally only review the music, hopefully will read the words. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're in some small sense introducing something else yeah. to an audience that wouldn't normally... Hear it. And we should say that it, it really is a collaboration. It's not just like, here are some songs and here are yeah, some stories right. and never the two really have anything any connection. The stories were inspired by the songs. Yeah, they're, they're tied together very tightly, actually, because the writers were involved in the writing of the songs and they were involved in the recording of the songs. So every single song has got somebody on it, the person that wrote it, mm -hmm. who wrote it, yeah. whether that be singing whether that be talking, if you listen to it, you'll see there's some kind of yeah. spoken words throughout the, sure. throughout the songs, or just in the presence and breathing in the mic. <laughs> or, or, in the air. You know, there's some... There's some sort of, but, um, one of the, so they're interlinked really, really closely. Mm -hmm. yeah. no, one of the interesting things that happened was we kind of thought that it would be good to, you know, when we were having events, that we would be getting two audiences, like people that would come, maybe normally come to gigs, and other people that maybe come to spoken word events. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. We, we did the three taster events at the West End Festival, right. and they worked so, so well. But actually, um, from from that point of view, from the, uh, attracting the different audiences, we, we couldn't go over just you know, how that worked, because... One of the guys who came to one of the gigs is David Carey. He's a blues musician. Mm -hmm. And he had never, ever been to a spoken word event. And then he wrote it up in his blog. He's quite a wild man. He's a wild blues right. guy, you know, sort of swearing. He's and you know, you know, very yeah, heavy and very entertaining. Anyway, he wrote in his blog and he said that if anybody had ever told them that he would come along to an event and listen to people reading their work and that he would have enjoyed it so much, he couldn't have believed it. So we were really thrilled about that. And then after the event, Simeon and I both um, go along to Alan McMoneagle's creative writing classes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a kind of, um, <laughs> it's quite an inspirational guys, he's had these classes for about 10 years right. and people come back and they disappear and they come back again so Samina and I are in the class we're kind of regular <laughs> and what we noticed was that some of the people, three people in fact, who'd been to the gigs to the, the, the um, 
10 writers telling lies event, they turned up at the classes <laughs> because they enjoyed it so much that um, they thought, I think, I'd, and one of them was a musician, wow. the guy Dan. Yeah. He was a musician, but he thought, I think I would maybe quite like to try this creative writing. And then another woman, Rami, yeah. who happened to be sitting beside Samina um, at the event in Watersons and Bowers Road, she's now in the class too. And who's the other person? I can't remember. Oh no, Mary Irvin. Yeah. Mary Irvin, um, she wrote about it in her blog. And then she doesn't come to the evening class, but she goes along to these day events mm -hmm. because she just... She's already got an inlet in creative writing, but she just absolutely... So we, in those three sort of small events, what we had hoped would happen, did happen. Yeah, so yeah. people were inspired to do That's something right. that maybe they wouldn't have. So yeah. did you always think when you about having doing these live or having events with yeah. just the things that were happening, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, I, one of the things... I was speaking to somebody the other day about this, because uh, I went along to the Indie Authors event, which is the first time I'd ever been to any of these things. But I just felt that, well, the music thing, and me having done it, you know, I've been, I've been playing music, playing gigs and writing songs really since I was a teenager. Yeah. It's a slightly different mindset, I'm, I'm sure, from writing a book or writing a poem or writing. So you've got to bring something that's not there before, I felt anyway, mm -hmm. just because I'm coming from a different angle. Yeah. So I'm used to going and playing gigs, I'm used to putting on gigs, I'm used to all the stuff around about that. Yeah. Whereas a writer probably occasionally gets asked to read their work. Yeah. But they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily thinking of it as an entertainment. To the, to the, perhaps that's true. <laughs> to the yeah. same extent. Mm -hmm. So I felt that, that that combination, I could bring what I've got in terms of how I approach a gig, which mm -hmm. I always think of as a show and a kind of entertainment yeah, thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, that, that would bring something different. Just... I think, that's, thing, you know. I think that's really interesting. I think it is slightly changing now. I know you've still got your, say, events in Waterstones where the, the writer has asked a few questions, reads a bit to the book, everyone's very polite, and then yeah. you, know, you go home. But more and more there are events where you do get this mix of reading and music and um, particularly, I think, with poetry, uh, you know, more and more performance yeah, poetry right. is getting into exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Right. So, what, so captured is that, guys? That's the very term. The and very term. And I, also, I also think that the atmosphere, you know, when we were doing the readings, the taster events was very, you know, informal and live, mm -hmm. which you normally don't get, you know, when you're reading out stories or short fiction. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose as well, I mean, I've been to a few of these readings... And when there is music, and a lot of the time there is music in the in the space between sure. whatever, but there's a there's a sense of that being on an, an unequal mm -hmm. footing. The music's just there as an intermission yeah. on these events, okay. whereas with ours, <laughs> the music is as important. It's integral as, to you know, it's integral to it, and it's as important. It's not one's more important than the other. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I think, think that in itself will make. Um, kind of making it less formal will probably inspire more people to go along because I think as well, I've been to a few writing classes in the past myself and before you actually go, you get this idea that it's going to be um, quite daunting and, mm. you know, perhaps, uh, you know, you're putting your stories out there. Yes. It's quite a difficult mm. thing to do. Yeah, and then a fact, once you're in there, I find them very supportive and actually mm. everyone's on each other's side and, and that's usually very constructive. Um, so if you can show that to people who have maybe never even thought about writing their own stuff, then I think that's a great thing to be doing. Yeah. This might be a difficult question, I don't know, but how did you choose your writers? Well, really, I've been exposed to um, a lot of different writers. Mm -hmm. I, I did the, um, the Emlet, and then I, look, I get lots of people sending me stories for my website. Yeah. And... Then I was a bit long to Alan's class, so I I, knew, I always knew the ones that I liked and that I felt were really talented. Mm -hmm. So the 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 first criteria would be that I wanted it to be, and Jim would obviously um, to be writers of really high quality. Mm -hmm. So that was that was part of it, and then I knew that we would be. Um, working closely together and I wanted people who were I mean I didn't sit and think all this I threw and write it all no I know it's not I know I'm making you talk about it um, but I wanted people that I felt um, would be enthusiastic mm -hmm. and fun and um, 
I mean, some people are quite quiet and some people are, you know, are, are but we really gel pretty well. That's, that's, that's worked. And also we've got a huge difference in the, the ages. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the, from like seven to down to, to, to the 20. Mm-hmm. So that's, and then male and female, different sexual orientation, um, different, um, well, Samina's Pakistani. Yeah, that's right. And, um, Michael Norton is from Tipperary, so we've got the nice, the different voices. and. Yeah. So you didn't think about this, but it was just a really nice way that the balance of all these mm-hmm. things happened. Uh-huh. I suppose I, I was, I was thinking, thinking about it um, in a sense, but I wasn't like... Um, sort of a scientific approach. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and how, when, were these, were your songs already written or um, uh, how did you, you work them in with the writers? The, all the music was written. Right. Because that was all sitting there. Uh, me struggling to figure out what to do with it. Uh, but the songs weren't finished uh, and they weren't completely recorded. So the idea was to work with the writers and come up with something I don't know if you ever tried songwriting yourself, but, but no. it's a, it is a bit of a struggle, like writing is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a struggle to get things right, so I knew that that in itself would be interesting. So Now you've been in bands before, so yeah, there's a little of collaboration there. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of used to collaboration, yeah. Uh, but I'm also wanting to make sure that you end up with something that works. You mm-hmm. know, so, so there's always, always a... Tension. <laughs> Good creative tension. Creative tension. <laughs> so, I mean, now writing in itself is usually a very solitary, uh, you know, it's you and the keyboard or pen or whatever. How did you feel about this way of collaborating? Not just with other writers, but with musicians. Um, yeah, I felt that, you know, as you're like saying, writing can be quite daunting and it can be, you know, you just sit in there and writing and Half the time you don't know, you know, whether that the stuff you're writing is making sense, but you will like think, oh, is it making sense to me? That's okay, I'll follow it through. But I suppose when you've got a group of writers who have come together and they're so diverse, you know, in their approach, I suppose it's it's a really inspirational thing also, and it's um, quite fulfilling to know that, you know, all these people are, you know, have come together and we're on the same platform. Mm-hmm. And we're exchanging thoughts, ideas, and we're looking at one another's stories yeah, also. So everybody read everybody else's yeah, Everybody stuff. read, you know, everyone's <laughs> story. And um, it was like, you know, when I, you know, read other people's stories, I was like, it's just different voices. Sure. And you really appreciate that. So it was quite encouraging also. Really did encouraging. reading other people's work, did it change the way that you worked? Or was it similar to the writing group, for instance? Uh, no, it, it, it doesn't actually change the way you work because, like, you have your own approach towards writing. So not necessarily it changed the, my, you know, way of uh, writing. But it just, I think, makes you more involved and makes you really appreciative of, you know, other people's work. Okay. Um, now, your foreword is by Louise Welsh and Zoe Strachan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in it, uh, it's interesting, they ask about the best way to um, engage with um, <laughs> ten writers telling lies. They say you could either listen to the music while reading the stories, or you could mix it up. Um, did you have an idea about how they would work for for the person who buys it? I hadn't entered my head. I'm never that concerned about the producer, the, the consumer. <laughs> At the end of the day, <laughs> I just produce it. <laughs> just yeah, get it out there, and then they can do what they like. Yeah, like <laughs> but I'm sure other folk might have thought about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose everything is different. I mean, I couldn't, I c- couldn't read something and listen to the music 
at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I think the difficulty I would find with that is concentrating on lyrics when you're reading mm-hmm. at the same time. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. And considering that the lyrics are so important in this project, yeah. um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. People have to find out for themselves when they and get a you copy. Might ha- you might have the CD in the car. That's true. So that wouldn't be good for reading. Well, that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. You could have a passenger read out to you while you're driving. That's probably not a very good idea. I, mean, I think they stand up. They both stand on their own. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, you could just have the CD and enjoy it. You could just have the short stories, the stories and the poems and enjoy mm-hmm. it. I suppose if you become familiar with both of them, then you'll see the you'll start seeing connections. Yes, that's yeah. I think the really yeah. interesting part. Yeah. I mean, I've listened to some of the music and it absolutely stands alone as a CD and, and as, a, as a body of work, mm-hmm. and read some of the, the short stories as well, and they do work separately and fine what I'm really interested in doing and I haven't had time to do it properly is to really engage with the project and see how they feed into each other because I think there'll be things that you notice that's right Mm -hmm. I mean if you listen Gillian uh, Mays hers is an interesting point because she's also a singer and she plays the piano so she did her own cover version of the song <laughs> on the piano. Wow. Which is which was interesting for me to hear. Yeah, also. I bet, yeah. But it's also interesting that she's so wedded to her own version of it. And you know, I'm this I'm thinking I'm the musician songwriter here. <laughs> that she much, much prefers her own version. <laughs> and she admitted that to you. <laughs> and hers is the definitive version of that song. <laughs> And mine's is relegated. <laughs> ah, I see where the creative tensions are coming there, through. There, there could be other versions in the future. Though. That's true. But I just thought that was quite interesting. It is. Yeah. Very that much happen, so. You know. The writer's taking over the yeah, music. So she's got the thing all on the piano. She's worked it. You know, she asked me for the chords, obviously. Gave her the chords. She worked up her own version. And it, it is very different, isn't it? It's a different yeah. song. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very different yeah. kind of uh, version than the one that's on the CD. But I think she said that she's played it so often that it's in her. <laughs> and it's so very closely wedded to her story. Yeah. That particular song, yeah. you know. And if you read her song and you listen, read her story and listen to the song, they are so kind of close to each other. And uh, Did the writers come with work which they had already done or did they write especially for the project? I suppose I should ask you some of that question. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, my work wasn't there. The, the short story wasn't there. And um, when I collaborated with Jim with the song, I thought the, the cadence and the rhythm of the song was like really beautiful. And it was just an absolutely gorgeous love song. And then I started off with a sentence in my head. Rumi woke up thinking about the girl. And I was like, you know how I felt that this is... It's got something to do with love, mm-hmm. right? But it was more of a kind of like intuition, a feeling kind of thing that I'm going to follow it through. And I was curious to know <clears throat> how will it, you know, end up? And then I started following the character thinking that it's just going to be about objective love. But when the character goes to the barber's shop, that's where the story turns. And it just came as a surprise for me. Fantastic. How great to have that not knowing yourself. Well, and that's right. And just like discovering, you know, what's going to happen next. And it just, I, th- I suppose the ending just came as a complete surprise to me yeah. also. That's well, interesting. interesting. I mean, I, I've recorded most of the folk, you know, yeah. either, you know, reciting their stories or their poems. And uh, as somebody who's probably not part of the so much reading and writing culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> It's been a bit of a revelation for me actually to listen to these and to also be involved in a project where writing is the you know so big a thing. That's right. Uh, and me getting to know all the stories and things, yeah. and hearing yeah. them and then hearing them a few times and you know yeah. the live events and becoming very kind of a, uh, familiar with every one of them. Well, <laughs> that's what you're doing. World, you know, that each yeah. one creates. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. telling stories. I mean, yeah, or telling sure. lies, as you said. Yeah. The title is interesting. Ten writers telling lies. How did you come up with that? Yeah, well, that's a secret, you see. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Or is that a lie in itself? Uh, I mean, people do ask me that quite a lot. And uh, my answer is, you'll have to ask the writers. Ah, interesting. <laughs> and, and you'll have to wait and see what they say. You have to read the book first. And you have to read the book, but you have to ask the writers. Well, I'll just add something here. Okay. <laughs> is it ten writers telling lies to tell the truth? 
Interesting. I think that, yeah, and that you could say that's what writing, that's what creative writing is, isn't it? Yeah, I don't want to let the cow out of the bag. Yeah, fair enough. We've got to keep some secrets, we've all got our own secrets right? to keep. I don't even know what the cat is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what about the other writers, Pat? When did they, um, were they similarly inspired by the music or did some of them come with their own kind of stories already there? I think nine out of ten did start with I the think, music. No, I think the, everybody wrote for, they, they didn't have, they didn't have a, a ready story. That's great. The story um, was linked so closely to the music. That's great, because it means the project is really something mm-hmm. brand new and, and yeah. it works that no, way. They, no, they didn't, um, so, I mean some of them, as Jim says, like Gillian's, the, the, po- the poems, that we have two poets, um, Stephen Watt and Callum McLean, and their um, their poems are very very closely linked yeah. to the to the, the song as well. Um, particularly um, the the ones about the the, the mucker one and yeah. the city city deeds. Yeah. The two of the poems they're just so closely linked That's to right. the, to and the what, I mean the thing is. I don't know if people remember them, but I, I just say it's, it's as loose as they like it to be. You know, mm-hmm. just, it, they don't need to take the what's in the, the eventual right. song yeah. Yeah. and write it up. Yeah, it doesn't need to be connected. It can yeah. just be any aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And some of them, you know, if you do some of the stories, you think, well, how's that connected? Well, it's connected in the writer's yeah, head. Yeah, that's right. So. <laughs> absolutely. So that's enough. <laughs> yeah, and if you can't yeah. find the connection, then it's, you know it doesn't matter. It's really a catalyst. Matter. Yes, you know, absolutely. So, you could also say that it's. Um, that half-known world where you take something, you know a little bit about yeah. it, but you don't know it exactly, and you take something from there and then just follow it through. Yeah. And it just, you know, takes you in a, to an unexpected place. Absolutely. I mean, the story's all rich, you know. Yeah. You know, they're all, to me anyway. <laughs> the, the other thing that I have to mention is the, the look of the book and Pam McDonald's um, illustrations, which are just fantastic. Yeah. you say a little bit about those? Well, well, we love we love them. Um, it was Jim's idea. Actually, we were in was it we were in Malaga, and we saw a book. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, we were in a bookshop and we saw a, a book, and um, Frida Kahlo. That's right. It was mm-hmm. a book about yeah. Frida Kahlo, and it had a very very striking front cover. And we looked at it for ages and thought, "Gosh, this is just fabulous." Yeah. And then that got Jim thinking about. The idea yeah. and the the musician Jamie Flett that Jim knows, his partner is a tattoo artist. Yeah, I only, I only okay. found that out after the fact though. Okay. I was looking for some, I was, you know, I had the idea in my head that I wanted some of the darkness of the book and the, and the lie <laughs> to come through in the illustrations and the idea of that, mm-hmm. the look of the book, the whole thing had to be kind of tied together. So I asked all the writers to take selfies. Right. Can't say selfies. Themselves, take selfies. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> uh, but it, they had to look as if they were hiding something. Okay. So all of them took their selfies. You know, if you look at the illustrations, see what they took. Yeah. Uh, and then I looked for an illustrator online, <laughs> on Facebook, on anywhere. Yeah. Who we knew. Uh, and I actually emailed quite a few different people, asking them if they were interested in being involved. It's a commercial thing, paying for their time, you know, sure. how much it was going to cost, blah, blah, blah. And then I came across an illustration on Facebook. I thought, no, I like that. Mm-hmm. So I got in touch with, and that was Pam. Yeah. Got in touch with Pam, and I told her all about the project, and she says, you know, I'm looking for something to do illustrations, or something you're interested in. Uh, and she's also uh, a tattooist, which for some strange reason in my head seemed, seemed right, I don't know why. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> seemed, seemed appropriate. Uh, and then only from then did I realise that Pam was Jamie Flett's partner. Yeah. And I know Jamie because through the music. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, you know, a small world. Uh, small event, city, uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, so I met up with Pam and chatted to her about the project, gave her some kind of notion of how, what it was about and the sort of thing I was looking for. And But obviously she's an illustrator, so she's going to come up with sure. her, own, her own thing. I wasn't really prescriptive. Uh, so she came up with these illustrations, which are absolutely, to my mind, anyway. Oh, they're fantastic. fantastic. I mean, you know. each, well, I think, as a collection of, of um, 
pictures they're immense yeah. they're really fantastic because there's this fabulous theme of the kind of as you see the colour and the style that runs yeah. through it but you can tell the individual yeah. writers did you yeah, please yeah. with yours yeah I absolutely loved mine I was like is that actually me because <laughs> like you know um, sometimes uh, pictures can't capture you know what an illustrator can do yeah and I just felt that she's just you know capture something the essence of you know the title that's brilliant yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very weighted to the the book itself I feel she captured the kind of flavour of it yeah. or whatever yeah. you know or she gave it the flavour she gave it yeah <laughs> perhaps well I think yeah. from when I saw the, the, the images first of all I thought this has got a really strong identity yeah. and what that does as with any book it, it encourages you to go further and yeah. go in and actually yeah. get to the rest That's of right. it yeah yeah they're very striking um, images in we chose the cover because no, 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 it wasn't going to be oh who is going to be on the cover. It was what image yeah. is most striking, yeah. and that was the one that we felt was most striking of all. That's right, and like any kind of artistic thing, it was a process. You know, we, we arrived at that after. I mean, there. If you look at the the gigs we did last year, and I did some posters for it, and those were Pam's illustrations as well, but they're very different. Right. So the process itself ended up with what we've got. Um, we have back and forward chats and what we're trying to represent. So all aspects <laughs> yeah. of it were being worked on. Yeah, so we've all been worked on, worked on, until uh, we've ended up with hopefully something that fits uh, with the stories and the whole kind of concept. It sounds like the, the whole process has been a real pleasure for everyone. I'm sure it's been incredibly hard work, but a real pleasure for everyone. It has. Everyone. It really has. And we wanted it to be something of quality because yes. you can put anybody can put anybody can put a CD out anybody can, these days everybody records at home anybody can put their book out everybody can print their own thing but to do something that's a very high quality it takes a lot of work yeah. well it does of course it does and yeah. then you get the results at the end exactly so we wanted to be something we could be proud of and really look great and did justice to the writers you know because the packaging tells people a lot yeah you know, if you've got great writers and the packaging is rubbish, people will just assume the writing is rubbish. That's right. So it had to be really good. You know. Well, yeah, that's right. And you've got to, you know, you've almost got a duty of care to your writers Absolutely. as well to make it, you know, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, for me, the whole thing stands out because one, it looks great. You have got some really great writers there. The music sounds good. But this idea of bringing it together, it's... I mean, we said right at the beginning how difficult it is to get music out there and how difficult it is to get people to read your stories mm -hmm. and publish. By doing this, you know, you have kind of created something, to me, anyway, new, and, and that, that hopefully people will sit up and take real notice of. Um, how will people be able to get their hands on it? Well, um, we've, we're already involved in talking to people um, about taking part in events. Mm -hmm. So um, Scottish Writers Centre, we're going to be there at the CCA on the 9th of May. Right. So that's already set in stone. The people from Booked Festival, that's Western Bartonshire, they've been talking to us and we'll probably be in that. And, you know, the university want to have something. So we're going to have something up there probably including some of their current MLIT students, oh, because quite a few of the writers um, in the book have been on the MLIT at mm -hmm. Glasgow University. So there's all that kind of going on. And um, also, we did the um, taster gig in Watersons and Bowers Road, and they we, we had capacity audiences mm -hmm. at, at the, all three events, and people hung about for quite a while afterwards chatting and that they really, really enjoyed it. So say if you're the manager in the shop, I spoke to him the other day and he said, look, I want to have a look at the book and um, if I like the look of it, it'll be, we'll be in the shop. Fantastic. So, um, um, so things are, we haven't even got the book yet, but yeah. already things have started happening. And the other thing is we've had some really good testimonials, mm -hmm. which have put some of them in the book so we're you know we're, we're working we're, I mean we're not um, obviously experienced in this marketing of um, of books but kind of well people are obviously taking quite, an interest um, taking notice and yeah, then I mean, there are absolutely. quite a few of us I mean 
um, it was Stephanie mm -hmm. that said to us, do you not think it would be a good idea to get um, Scots with hay? Mm -hmm. you know, so, I'm glad you did. Uh -huh, yeah, so are we. <laughs> so um, people have in the, in the group, because it's diverse, they've got different ideas. And then we went down um, to see Pauline, Pauline Lynch, mm -hmm. Pauline's book, Armadillos, yep. it was launched down in, well it wasn't launched, um, she had a launch in Bigger, yeah, yeah, so we went to that, and that bookshop won the prize last year, the, I think it's called Atkinson Prize, mm -hmm. they won the prize for Independent um, Bookshop of the Year, and that was a fabulous event, I mean we loved it, didn't yeah, we it Jim, and um, there was a big crowd, and so I think that doing things in different places, you know, not just in and around Glasgow, but if you go, and we know from the gigs um, over the years, if you go and perform in a place where it's maybe, you no, know, reasonably isolated, everybody wants to go. Yeah. Because something's happening in yeah. the community. Absolutely. So, um, so we'll probably have something down there and... Um, I think that's a great idea because there's no doubt that in any big city you're kind of spoiled for, mm -hmm. for yeah. things. But if you go to places where they don't often put them on, mm -hmm. then yeah, you will you yeah. almost guarantee mm -hmm. a turnout. So, so that's the kind of... Um, we've got quite a wee list of things to yeah. try out. Well, that's Samina, great. Samina and um, Callum and I, um, a couple of weeks ago after class, after Alan McMonagall's class, we, we go into Yuzibi in the West End and have a coffee yeah, and well you have tea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have a chat Gillian's up there sometimes as well and um, but the three of us had a chat about you know what kind of things can we do and we had lots of ideas so we went from being in bigger in Glasgow to thinking it might be quite nice to go to Berlin or the, Dub <laughs> or the, or the, Dub or the Dublin Book Festival <laughs> or why not have or maybe translated <laughs> and then in New York That's and then right. Simina's husband wanted to come to New York with us <laughs> but why not why not, why not? Exactly. you know I mean this is the thing when you do something that has such a kind of a love for it that you've put you know uh, everything into it then you, you you want to get it out to as mm -hmm. many people yeah. as possible and I'm, I hope and I'm sure it will do well I think we feel we know you you know um if you're selling something um and you're trying to push something and you maybe think about oh, what to get but we really love it ourselves yeah. <laughs> so um you know, you're proud of it. That's well, I mean, as, as Jim said earlier on, you know, not, I'm sure slightly joking, but it's about making it, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's what the real enjoyment yeah, is coming yeah. from it. And if people go out and, and take it, then yeah. all the better. But you've obviously, yeah. you know, yeah. it's been a real... Well, yeah. it'll be, I mean, we'll do all the traditional stuff. There'll be a website. There is a website. Mm -hmm. got, I set up Twitter about three days ago. <laughs> so a Twitter account now. Right. So on the Facebook, it's got its own page. So all this sort of traditional social media, tell people about it, uh, which is all difficult to do because you need time. and you Yes, need, of course. Uh, so we'll do all that. Uh, I'll end up as a digital book on Amazon, so mm -hmm. we'll do, do the Kindle version of it. I've not done that yet, but we'll do that. As well as we'll have the physical copies, which you'll be able to buy online as well. So setting up a, set up a site, and we've do done, a shop, you can buy it, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. But we've done um, a lot of, of other things. Like we, Everybody has recorded their um, story so that... Um, Jim has been involved with, um, is it Site? Yeah, Site Scotland. Scotland uh, I work with a lot of volunteers for organisations. Mm -hmm. And uh, Site Scotland is for people visually impaired, people mm -hmm. who are blind are visually impaired. And uh, I did their website just whenever it was six months ago, we launched it. But the guy that runs it is a really nice guy, I know him quite well. And uh, so he's going, because I've recorded all the writers, they have a kind of audio newsletter and they also do events. So they're going to take the audio and put that out to their audience and have an event around it. So people who, fantastic. <laughs> who wouldn't normally necessarily be involved in a kind of local book or whatever mm -hmm. are going to be involved and that's you know it's something fresh and new because yeah. they will be able to listen to the, the audio. Yeah. Or you know, part of their site Scotland will push it as part of their marketing and part of their events, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. Oh, it's great. Though. It's a great idea. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. And so. then we also um, had um, we were interviewed 
and that was filmed, so we'll have some YouTube. Yeah, we're going to do some video as well. It doesn't take so much. So long. It takes so long, but it sounds like you're going to have plenty. Uh, when yeah. when it yeah. does come out, then um, people yeah, are going to know right. about it. So, but yeah. for loads of help, I mean, the the people who came to film us, there's two um, students from Glasgow University who are down at Air on the is it film and television course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm kind of Bob the radio the radio, radio. uh uh-huh. on the radio course, and they they came and. They were fantastic, and then the person who interviewed us was Gillian McDougall. Mm-hmm. He used to be the um, continuity. continuity person, one of the continuity people at BBC right. Radio. So, you know, we did, we, we've done a lot of um, quite interesting things about it. You, know, you don't know what's going to work and what's no, not, of course you but don't. it was good for us, you know, it was yeah. because we, and it was new experience for us as well. And, and, you know, people are obviously interested, you know, people don't do these things unless they're interested in it. That's what I was going to say, that, you know, the commitment um, that Jim and Pat, you know, have put, it's really inspirational, because, like, normally when you have a book out, um, these things don't happen, it's just like, you know, you have a reading event, and, you know, you're reading, and that's, that's about it. I mean, but I, I suppose it's really inspirational that all the effort, you know, that's been put... I think it shows you what on a small level can be done um, uh, and music, mm-hmm. you know, even film, but yeah. certainly books, um, when it's really important to the person. It's not just another mm-hmm. product for want of a better term and then it all goes again and the next person goes through. Mm-hmm. When someone says, no, this is something we've put um, our time and our love into it and we're going to uh, make sure that we give the best chance of it, you know, other people yeah. being involved in it as well. I was, that's what I was saying to Pat. I was like, it's not, Pat, it's not something commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that will kind of endure. Yes. It was something that, you know, stay on for, a, you know, quite a long yeah. time. That's what um, Zoe and um, Lise said. I mean, we loved their um, forward. Yes, it's fantastic. We were so um, flattered. But it was, you know, it was very encouraging what they wrote as well. I mean, we had, we had I think we've, well, Jim and I have had a kind of combination of experience that, that probably made it, that we knew what we were doing. I mean, Jim has published books before. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a, a technical books. But we knew, all, and we had ISBN numbers and different things like that. So we weren't probably starting from just scratch. Yeah, sure. And then because of the website, I mean, I've been used to... Um, promoting lots of different things Absolutely. and um, I managed the band for years and so we weren't starting from absolute mm-hmm. scratch but the main thing was we had access we had access to the music and we had access to a lot of talent yeah so and there was no coaxing yeah. involved people were really up for it and at the end of the day it is you know the, the actual music and the mm-hmm. actual stories themselves it that is. will endure that's as it. you say that's it Absolutely. Well, I think we're going to take a break there, and when we come back, um, Samina is going to read her story, Taxi, I think it's called. That's right, that's right. But I'll take this point to say thanks to Jim and Pat Byrne for talking to us. Thank you, Alistair. Taxi. Rumi woke up thinking about the girl. She was beautiful, tall as a babel tree, and such a fair complexion like she was from the Hazara Valley. He smiled and thought a bit more about her as his eye caught a little crack on the ceiling. He'd buy a bunch of pink and white peonies and if the mother came out, he'd hand them to her. But if luck had it, she'd be alone in the house and then he could give her the flowers and tell her how much he liked her. They could go out to a restaurant or even to the cinema. He imagined taking her hands in his, kissing her fingers, so soft and delicate. He shook his head waking up. No more of this following her on the motorbike. He got up and went into the bathroom. He looked in the mirror. The hair was a mess. Small black bristles were noticeable on the side of his cheeks. He washed his face, changed and walked round the corner to the barber's shop. Hashwani was sitting eyes closed, getting a hot towel shave, and it looked like the barber hadn't noticed him as he pressed Hashwani's shoulders. 
Ah, the sound came, as the barber kneaded his hands into the back of his neck. Rumi picked up the newspaper as he sat down. He flicked to the sports page, read some headlines, and then put the newspaper down. It was cold, and there was a feeling of darkness inside the shop. He went out and stood in the doorway where the sunlight was coming in. Today, neither the barber nor Hashwani were in a hurry, and it seemed like Hashwani had dozed off. Rumi took out a half-smoked cigarette from his pocket. He lit it, taking a couple of drags. He stubbed it against the wall and put it back into his trouser pocket. A young woman walked by. He stared at her, his eyes lingering on her breasts and then glancing at her fleshy buttocks. The woman looked back and he liked the way she smiled towards him. Hashwani had opened his eyes. He sat up looking at Rumi through the mirror in front of him. Rumi, how is it? Heard you're looking for a job. I still am. Come to the garage. I'll ask one of the boys to fit you in somewhere. I don't know much about welding and all the other stuff. Just do what the boys tell you. How much will I get? Don't worry, we won't let you starve. Don't know if I can do it then. That's all right. The barber rubbed some oil into his hands. He rubbed his fingers across Hashwani's chin and face and then took the towel off from his neckline. He then turned round and looked at Rumi. You're here to make a payment. How much do I owe you, Rumi said. The barber took out a filthy copy from behind the counter and flicked through the pages. One shave and two haircuts. Listen, I need a haircut today, but I promise I'll square you up soon. The barber was watching him. Only if you pay up some of the amount, yes? Rumi put his hand in his pocket. I'll see what I've got then. The barber nodded, wiping the back of the leather seat with a wet towel. He picked up a bottle of talcum powder and some other bottles and went off towards the back of the shop. Hashwani stood up. He went up to the counter. He took out a couple of banknotes from his pocket. Leaving them on the counter, he told the barber to keep the change. He stretched and walked slowly to where Rumi was standing. He put his hand on his big belly sticking out in front of him. Bone lazy some people are. Sorry? Never mind, son. I know you were being nice, but the thing is, I'm looking for a proper job. One where I could make some money. You fed up of loafing around then? Rumi sniffed. I think I've fallen in love. Who have you enticed? Why do you want to know? Hashwani shrugged. I suppose it doesn't really matter. That new girl living in the rented house from across the yogurt shop. Taxi. What do you mean, Rumi frowned. Your fair and lovely was with Siraj the other night. He was saying she was a good ride, though. Dirty bastards. Hashwani laughed. I might be there myself. Could put in a good word for you. Stop this shit. Rumi got down the steps and walked away. Five minutes later, he was standing outside the blue door where the girl stayed. He knocked on the door and then rang the bell. Someone from inside shouted, Who is it? It's me, can I come in? The door opened. The girl was standing there, wearing a tight-fitted blouse with a low-cut neckline. And that black mole below her neck, he was so close to her that he could touch it with his hand. It's you! You know me then, Rumi smiled. Goon. Me? Yes, you. Listen, I'm sorry for following you around, but it's just that I really like you. You don't know how much I love you. Get your ass out of here before the old lady comes out. Rana, who is it? It was a woman's voice coming from somewhere inside. A bum head from that junky side of the neighbourhood. What does he want? He wants to be screwed. The bastard. Tell him to get lost right now. Rumi stood there, not knowing what to say. Then he moved closer to the girl and was thinking of whether to grab her hand when he thought he heard Hashwani's voice. He turned round and saw him standing a couple of feet away. What's happening here, Hashwani said. 
the girl gestured at Rumi. This goon is saying I owe him money. Hashwani peered over his spectacles towards Rumi. It won't just be a slap on the face if you don't fuck off. The mother had come out wearing a towel wrapped around her head and her whole face, apart from the eyes, was covered in bleach cream. Her look softened the moment she saw Hashwani. She smiled at him as he put his hand out to shake hers. Then he reached over. He took the girl's hand in his and kissed it. May I? Yes, of course, come in, the mother said. The mother looked towards Rumi, giving him a filthy look. Idiot, she said. Yes, the place is full of them, Hashwani said as he went inside. Rumi walked over to the yogurt shop. He fished out the almost crumpled end of the cigarette from his pocket. He smoked until he felt his lips burning. Thank you. That was fantastic, Samia. Thank you very much. And um, if that hasn't got you interested in 10 writers telling lies, then I don't know what's going to. Um, thanks to everyone uh, for joining us today, and we'll be back next time with someone completely different. Cheers. So, now you know all about 10 writers telling lies. I told you it was a fascinating project, and I hope that the drive and love and heart that Jim and Pat and Samina um, and all the other writers um, have for this project comes across because it's, it's a real labour of love in the best possible way. But we're not finished there. I'm going to uh, say cheerio. And after that, you'll hear Oh My Beautiful You, which is the collaboration between Jim and Samina for 10 Writers Telling Lies and we'll be back very soon with I've no idea who yet but it'll be fun finding out. Thanks. Rumi woke up thinking about the girl. She was beautiful, tall as a babel tree and such a fair complexion like she was from the Hazara Valley. He smiled and thought a bit more about her as his eye caught a little crack on the ceiling. Sing it so well Oh, my beautiful you I'm under your spell My friend We can laugh and talk Oh, my beautiful you This time I'm caught Baby, 